What are the things you do without even thinking about it? Really, when it all comes down to it, we're all just a bundle of habits. And if our habits are the things that make us who we are, then what do your habits say about who you are becoming? We want to hold a conversation about forming habits that help us follow Jesus. So welcome to this episode of the Inhabit podcast. Episode three. Episode three. Look at us go. Look at us go. So what have we talked about so far, Pastor Benj of Greenhouse Church? Well, really, in our first episode, we talked about um, what habits have to do with following Jesus and that uh, the way of Jesus is a way of life. And uh, if following Jesus means following him with everything that we are, then we want to form everything we do around who he is. And we want to recapture him as rabbi, um, as teacher, as leader, not just as saviour and messiah, as important as that it is. So really a contrast between Christianity as a belief system and Christianity as a practice, as a becoming through practising uh, a way of life. Exactly. Um, we then talked uh, in the second episode about how it's the, the habits, the small things that we don't see that we do over and over again are actually what enable us to become people who can be good news in big ways uh, when the moment calls for it. Yes. And we talked about the Sully story, uh, you know, the plane that was sort of landed on the Hudson River and the pilot basically said, I've been making small deposits over like years and years and years, over 40 years, small deposits of experience and learning that I was able to make a very big withdrawal from in one go. Absolutely. And then at the end of that episode, we heard from Jeanette, who is the most good news person you could ever meet. And uh, I listened to kind of a story like hers and I sort of interact with her and I just feel inadequate sometimes. Yeah, it's sort of this weird mix. Listen to Jeanette and I feel like really inspired, but then also like can almost feel like, well, what hope do I have? You know, she, she just seems to ooze the stuff, whereas I just feel like when it comes to my habits, um, it's easy to feel like, I just have more bad ones than good ones. And when I try to form new ones, I just fail and feel guilty and bad. Mm. And really that's, that's what this whole episode is about. The mix between um, grace and habits and habits and guilt. And that uh, sometimes it's, it's really easy to be guilted by the things that we are not doing, that we're not doing something enough. Um, and really when people think about spiritual disciplines, that's, that's kind of the default response. Um, but today, I guess we really want to frame up how should we view habits and uh, should we be feeling guilty for not doing something and how do we um, actually go out reorganizing our little bundle of habits towards Jesus in a way that's helpful and graceful because if we're doing it in a way that is out of obligation, um, the sort of people that we are going to become is not the people that we want to become. Yeah, and I think we see this even as we think about um, the Gospels and the stories of Jesus. He's frequently encountering people who, at least on the surface, are nailing the habits. You know, they, they know their scripture and they are really good at Sabbath. They're really good at not, you know, uh, doing anything at all on a Saturday. Um, and yet they're missing the point. 
And it's so important that we say that even though we want to kind of have this conversation and create this podcast that encourages people to form um, form habits that form Jesus in us, uh, it's so easy to get caught up on, you know, life hacks and, and sort of, you know, trying to be productive or trying to trying to form good habits and just end up in a cycle of still trying to earn something, still trying to Absolutely. gain some sense of worth from the things that you do. And so this episode, I guess, is really about how do we create a foundation of grace, which doesn't mean that we then sit around and do nothing. Grace doesn't mean that you just, you know, fall into a cushion but it actually grace is the empowering force yes. um, behind behind the habits. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I think it's really important to get very clear that your habits, your spiritual disciplines, are not a measure of your spirituality. John Orbeau talks about this that you know your your habits are not a barometer of your spirituality. Mm. If if they were, the Pharisees would be the most spiritual people. Um, the most like Jesus. Um, actually, your love of God and your love of neighbor is the barometer. And really all habits are there to do is to help us to love God and to love neighbor better. Yeah, beautiful. I think a lot of those guys, you know, some of the um, people that have written about this stuff, obviously we've, we've referenced Dallas Willard a lot and probably still will. Um, there's also uh, Richard Foster, you know, wrote Celebration of Discipline. And I think it's in that book that he really talks about um, – you need to just have, you need to know so clearly that the spiritual disciplines aren't what, um, aren't what make you close to God, but they are what create the space in you for transformation. Mm -hmm. And really, so, you know, thinking about the habits and the disciplines, they're not actually the things that transform us. If I read my Bible every day, I'm not being transformed, um, just by the act of, a 30-minute block of reading every day, I'm being transformed by the space I'm opening up for the Spirit to speak into me. And the crazy thing is you can do the same practice and not open up that space if you're doing it kind of out of a sense of, yeah, religiosity. or So it's pretty tricky. It's pretty like tangled, all of that. Do you have any, have you found anything useful in terms of when you get into that that space of feeling guilty about not doing something or on the other hand, feelings like morally superior or self-righteous for having Mm. done something. What are some things that kind of help you ground yourself back in, you know, doing it out of grace? Mm. Yeah. I think um, an important distinction is to remember that habits, spiritual formation is an invitation into a way of life, not an expectation of a way of life. Oh, that's good. Say that again. (laughs) Your habits uh, and, and the spiritual formation, the journey that you're going on is an invitation into life, not an expectation on your life. And, Very um, good. And that is, that is a really subtle difference, but just incredibly important. And it's very, very easy to switch from invitation into expectation, um, particularly when you're comparing what you do to someone else. Um, and that's all tangled as well because we want to learn from one another but it's really important not to push expectations on other people or put expectations on ourselves. Um, some people will pray for three hours in the morning, and I just don't think I'll ever be able to do that, maybe one day. Um, but for me, like that, if I put that expectation on myself, I would just be down on myself all day because that three hours I might block out, but nothing would happen with it. So, um, 
Yeah, and I think with that, one thing I've found over time is that there is a difference between um, when you find something that, yes, it takes discipline and it takes the kind of ongoing creation of a new habit, but ultimately there's, there's something in the process that is freeing and is bringing freedom and rest in you. And then there are other things that are kind of just, it feels like such a steep hill. It feels like um, more of a just self punishment than anything else. And those things are probably different for each of us. So for me, I know that I love journaling. And one of my habits that I try and whenever I'm in like a healthy rhythm of life, a lot of people have heard me talk about this, but I do, I call it a daily dump. You know, it's a healthy thing to take a dump every day. Yeah, maybe two. Yeah, well, exactly. Depending on your metabolism, you know, if, if things are going well, then get it all out. But I definitely enjoy getting my thoughts, my prayers, processing my life with pen and a pad. Now, I know that for some people that would be like not their idea of a good time at all, but they might find that something else like going for a long walk and sort of just verbally processing that stuff, doing more of a dump in, in kind of just speaking it out is actually better. So it's important to kind of experiment and figure out for you how do these habits look. Absolutely. Experimentation is so, is so key. And getting creative and playful with what you do, I think, is really important. We want to learn from kind of best practice from thousands of years. We want to learn from other people who are, who are really doing this thing well. Um, so we're telling the kids, you know, stop experimenting with the other stuff and start experimenting with the spiritual disciplines. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's punk rock, man. Love it. <laughs> so how have you had things that you've experimented with and like things that you found that have really worked for you through that kind of process of creativity or, you know, things where you've tried it and you've gone, that's not for me. Like, do you have some stories around that learning to experiment with them? Yeah. I mean, one I think is just a really simple one is reading the Bible for so long. I was told you have to read the Bible every day in the morning, the quiet time, the quiet time. Um, and something that, that just freed me up a few years ago is I just started listening to the Bible instead of reading it. Right. And for me, that was just more helpful and I actually was more attainable for me during that, that space or period. The other thing that I did that was just transformative to me is instead of um, at the time I was, I was just finding it really hard. Um, I was a pastor and I was a young pastor and I was just trying to work out who I was and, and you know, a whole mix of different motives and you know, change in life and I was freshly married and all sorts of stuff. I was, I was getting so guilty that I wasn't spending a daily quiet time with God. Um, but what I actually did is I, I carved out an hour, two hours a week where I would go away and I would get away from my life and I would go um, get a coffee and a fruit salad and I'd go to this place on the beach that I really loved and I would um, spend time alone and I would read the Bible and I would pray and that was the most life-giving thing for me during that season um, because it was this new creative thing for me. I didn't know mm. anyone else that was doing that sort of thing. I'm sure there's plenty of other people that do. Um, but just that act of getting out of kind of what was an expectation that I had put on myself and I mm-hmm. felt like other people put on me to have a daily quiet time um, to having just a space that I really looked forward to once a week. And now since then I've, I've worked in more rhythms and habits and practices daily um, as well as that weekly stuff. But um, for me, getting creative like that has been super helpful. Yeah, that's good. 
I've, I've also found it really helpful to think through um, where can I kind of bundle with existing habits. So one habit that I have not had any trouble keeping for years is starting my day with a coffee every morning. And you might be listening to this and you have that habit too. Like, I mean, most of us do. My coffee often goes with my daily dump. Yes, <laughs> it sort of <laughs> triggers it sometimes. <laughs> But, you know, on a serious note, for me, it's been useful to go, where are the things in my life that are already predictable? Um, Because habits, you know, it's much easier to form a habit around that kind of regularity that you already have. So if I'm going to wake up every morning and I'm already going to drink a coffee, then that's a great time to go, okay, when I sit down and have that coffee, that's a great time to to open the Bible or say a, a morning prayer. I mean, the thing that's changed that for me and is kind of an ongoing part of this conversation, which may be relevant to, to a bunch of listeners, is I have little kids. I've got a three-year-old and a one-year-old. So um, pre-kids, it was much easier to wake up, start the day, long time, coffee, journaling, praying, you know, just hours and hours. You know, I wasn't I'm sort of exaggerating. I was never as uh, as spiritually enlightened as I wanted to be. But it certainly became harder after kids when it was like, okay, so the morning it starts earlier already and it's not my choice and it's kind of changing nappies and making breakfast and on the go. But one thing I've learned and one thing that has been important for me and my habits is going, actually, that time in my morning is potentially my greatest time of worship or my greatest time of frustration. Mm-hmm. And when it's my greatest time of worship is when I start the day praising God for my boys, is when I start the day inviting them into a, a short prayer. You know, we're not going to sit there and pray for hours, but we can say, God, thank you so much for this morning and the sound of the birds. You know, when I have my coffee and I make them their breakfast and there's a bit of chaos and mess, we can kind of um, begin that in a sense of inviting God into the chaos. So what are the things in your life that happen every morning? Is it waking up with your kids? Is it drinking coffee? You know, are there things, do you go to the gym? I mean, some people are like, you know, so good at going to the gym every day. Where can you bring these Christ-forming habits into what you're already doing? Yeah, I think it's so important what you just said there as well, that as you transition into a new season, to rid yourself of the guilt of what you were able to do before yeah. or what you expected yourself to do um, is is one of one of the key things because you see people at changes of seasons whether it's finishing school or whether it's going into uni or full-time work or having kids or or uh, being empty nesters or whatever that those transitions can actually kill your spirituality because Mm. you are not nimble enough to be um, playful and experimenting with your spirituality in that new season yeah and you can get caught you kind of lose something because you're grieving the old thing when maybe there's a new invitation again into the new thing. Uh, I love that characterization that you had before about habits being an invitation. And I think there's a good, you know, a wisdom in looking at your life and saying, what is, what is my life inviting me into now? Or what is the spirit of God inviting me into in this season of my life? Um, and I know that there will come a time when I have my mornings back with, with less of that child uh, presence and I will probably miss the beautiful opportunity I had to be present with God and with, you know, the greatest gift that he's given me, these little, little kids. So, yeah, what is your life inviting you into in this current season? It's going to look different mm. depending on who you are. Absolutely. 
I think just changing tack a little bit, um, this whole notion of, of guilt around spiritual practices and discipline, um, and particularly this, this balance between guilt and grace, has, is one that I think that we've actually inherited from our church tradition as well. I think um, the harm of the Reformation um, so many years ago was, you know, in the Middle Ages, the church was, uh, faith became incredibly transactional, mm-hmm. um, so much so that they weighed different sins with different amounts and you could buy indulgences to sort of uh, even up the scales and you could do certain disciplines and practices to gain your way back into favor with the church and, and therefore God. And the Reformation was a move against that, mm-hmm. a reclamation again of, of the idea of grace um, and which is which is so needed and so perfect. I guess the hangover of that is that we have since become uh, so uh, obsessed with the idea of forgiveness of sins that we've missed the key elements of practice in our life, the key elements of actually I have a part to play in my own spiritual formation. Mm. And so I think there is a, a difficult uh, relationship that has gone back hundreds of years between grace and between guilt. And so I, I love, again, Dallas Willard comes out, um, but he says that grace is not opposed to effort. It's just opposed to earning. And that is is huge i'll say it again for the people up the back (laughs) grace is not opposed to effort it's just opposed to earning and it's the key idea behind that is that in our spiritual formation god plays a part grace but we play a part as well now god's part is probably much bigger than the part that we play um but our part to play is actually helping form our life around ways that we open up space, like you were talking about with your Bible reading in the morning or whatever it is, for the work of the Spirit in our lives. Yeah. Yeah, that is so good. And that, that sort of what I love about that as well is this idea that we actually, God invites us into a partnership. And, you know, God is relational um, in nature and even our spiritual formation is a relational process. It's not about just us doing all the work, but it's also not about God doing all the work. He wants to be, um, you know, kind of walk, walking that process together, which is pretty incredible to think that wherever you are right now, as you're listening to this, wherever you're at in your life right now, whether your spiritual habits are an absolute shambles and the thought of reading your Bible even once a month seems like so far from where you are, or whether you're currently, you know, you're up praying for three hours from 5am every morning and it's amazing and incredible. Wherever you're at, God actually wants to meet you right there. He doesn't want you to have to, it's not like you do the practice for three months and then God rocks up because you kind of ticked off the the stars on your chart. Um, He actually wants to meet you right where you're at, which I think is incredible to remember in the context of grace and guilt that even if you try to do something and you you know you really have a, a pure desire to create a habit but then you kind of fall off the fall off the wagon so to speak and a couple of weeks in it's not working as good as it was he still wants to meet you right there and sit with you and 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 you know obviously we're talking about the 
the Jesus who said that his yoke is easy, his burden is light. And yoke, I mean, we're like, what are you talking about? Like an egg, an egg or something? <laughs> but yoke is about um, the rabbi's way of teaching. And to take on the yoke of the rabbi is to take on their way of understanding God, their way of understanding the fabric of reality, their way of understanding what the scriptures teach. And so by Jesus saying that his yoke is easy and his burden is light, he's actually saying, come to me and as you begin the rhythms that I demonstrate, the rhythms of you know, having space in your life, the rhythms of listening to God, speaking to God, engaging in scripture, being in community, celebration together, these rhythms are actually going to create that lightness and that freedom around you, mm-hmm. which is going to invite you into more grace. And then it kind of is... Once you, once you enter the ocean, it's amazing to think that you can enter the ocean of guilt in a sense. You can have this sort of overwhelming sense, this buildup of guilt and failure and pressure, or you can enter this ocean of grace where as you start to dip a toe in that water and you begin to immerse yourself in it, you realize God is so good. I want to continue to spend more time in these things that open up, crack open the spaces in me for experiencing that kind of freedom, mm. liberation, really, mm. like mm. the disciplines are, discipline sounds like it's about being chained to something, but the disciplines are the path towards liberation, being freed from our chains. Yeah. I love that concept of being yoked. When they would have an ox or whatever, they would take a, a new ox, a young ox, and they would yoke it together, put it together with an older ox who had done the yeah, journey gotcha. for a while. And so, you know, when the young ox would want to go faster, the, the old ox would just keep the pace that was sustainable and, and life-giving. And I just love that idea that our disciplines are just a way for us to be yoked to Jesus. Yeah. Uh, th- that verse in that same passage in, in the message, you know, come away with me, learn from me, walk with me, work with me. It's just a thing of beauty. It's so good. What an incredible invitation. And I think what you just said as well about the, the ox, like, you know, that, the phrase that stood out to me in your sentence was keeping a sustainable pace. And I think that sometimes where we set ourselves up for failure with this stuff is let's say that, let's say that right now you have no uh, regular practice of prayer in your life. You might shoot off the occasional prayer when an exam's coming up or when, you know, some crisis happens or whatever, but you don't have any sort of uh, framework around it. And so then you think, you know, you hear, you hear this podcast, you're like, oh, this stuff sounds really good. Tomorrow morning, I am going to wake up four hours than I normally do, and I'm going to pray the whole day. And, you know, you do that kind of thing, you set yourself up for failure. Or people that don't have a regular Bible reading habit and then go, all right, I'm going to read the Bible in one year. And you kind of set this massive goal. And I think it's fine to set big goals, like, but what's the step that's realistic from where you are now? And so maybe it's actually, a, you know, okay, um, I'm going to set a habit of, well, I've got a friend actually who, who just started reading the Bible last year. It's kind of new territory for him. And I've been really inspired seeing the way that he reads it because he doesn't have any of, he doesn't have that inherited Reformation church guilt, if you know what I mean. Anyway, he just uses the, the Bible app, the Uversion app, and it just pops up every day with the verse of the day. And when I caught up with him the other week, he's like, I've read the verse of the day every day for five weeks in a row. Mm. And I was like, that's awesome. Mm. That's actually a really achievable and simple thing. But he's actually done it. Just one verse a day 
but he's getting those words of, you know, kind of life and transformation are coming through every day and he's noticing them. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's setting yourself up for those small wins, particularly if you're just dipping your toe in the practices and habits is so important. Find those things that are actually life-giving that you are excited to do. Um, like with me when I had that, that hour away on, on Friday mornings. It was something that actually I, was, I would wake up excited to do, I'd be longing for. Um, that's huge in, in your formation as, as you begin to get those small wins and find that actually this is helping me, this is, this is changing me, um, this is making me a little bit more like Jesus, slowly, slowly. Um, then you sort of begin to build your muscles up and you can tackle some, some harder things. Yeah. So good. Well, we're actually in our next episode, we're going to get a bit practical with this. And there's a habit that I want to form that you have formed. And we're going to do some workshopping around how I can get there and how we actually form habits, kind of starting with those little wins and then building it into our lives. Um, Before we finish, I got one more quote from the Spirit of the Disciplines, Dallas Willard. Um, Let me put on our beautiful outro music. And let me read these words to you. If we refuse to practice, it is not God's grace that fails when a crisis comes, but our own nature. When the crisis comes, we ask God to help us, but He cannot if we have not made our nature our ally. The practicing is ours, not God's. God regenerates us and puts us in contact with all His divine resources, but He cannot make us walk according to His will. Thank you, three-year-old Noah. Join us next time on the Inhabit Podcast. Music for Inhabit has been produced by the talented Josh Corkill. We had production support from Sienna Aloisio. This is a collaborative project between Narara Valley Baptist Church and Greenhouse Church Long Jetty. If you think there is value in this conversation, help us reach more people by giving us a positive rating and writing a short review on the iTunes Store or Apple Podcasts. And of course, share it around on your social media and continue the conversation with the people around you. This would mean so much to us. We'll catch you next time on Inhabit.